a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Racer X podcast. This is the Oakland Supercross review. Thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Lots to talk about Oakland Supercross round four of the Monster Energy AMA Supercross series. It's a terrific night in a terrific coliseum that is, has so much excellence and history behind it. And we're here to talk about it. Of course, presented by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized dealer or go to foxhead.com or they don't carry Fox. Maybe you, uh, should go to a new dealer. Flex Air stuff out now. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon wearing Fox. Continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. That is our folks at Fox. Foxhead.com. All right. Thanks uh, Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, he's a former top privateer in the sport. He's a Montreal Supercross winner, German uh, Supercross champion. Um, God knows what else. Maybe maybe a Hard Rock Ocala champion at some point. The Jason Thomas. Yep, yep. We're uh, maybe a day late on this thing, but I've had some issues going on. We'll get there, though. Yeah, it's fine. Sometimes we've done it on Tuesday. Don't worry about it. Well, I don't think that was the tone, really, in your text messages, but I'm I'm glad to see you're coming around. Yeah, you know what? The people can get their money back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're a real nice guy in the air, Matthews. You're really right on the air, but that's what I'm getting at. Uh, <laughs> also, well, that voice there is my boss at RacerX Online, the great voice of motocross. Jason Wygant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Oakland, Supercross. Um, let's talk about it. Terrific stadium. Fantastic facility. Weege, um. when we were lost trying to find the press box with Hansel, who claimed to have a hotline and then seemed to forget about his hotline, we passed that mural that was, you know, from the 1970s of Al Davis and these great writers. And then we saw the Oakland Sports uh, Hall of Fame plaques at some point in some in some corridor, and they look like they yeah. were made by a 10-year-old. McGuire's face, Mark McGuire's face looked all like it melted. Um, that That's a that's no, a, that's Detroit. It's a bad stadium. It's a really bad stadium. The faces. What? Yeah, that was just the roids. You know, the faces start you know, oh, yeah. having weird <laughs> sizes and shapes. And... God, no wonder. Like, I don't – It's it's a – it's something else. I thought the crowd was all right for Oakland. I thought we. Al seen... Davis died at what age? What what age was Al Davis when he died? 147. He's up there. Yeah, he was up there. He was up there. In that photo, which was painted, it wasn't a mural like here's a nod to our previous history. Like that was painted at some point when they were playing in that stadium. He looked like he was about 48. Right. Right. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Weege? Weege, I know this is going to be right up your alley, but the movie Prometheus, uh, the old man in that movie, yeah. that was actually Al Davis. Yeah, they they've kept him alive in an oxygen chamber, and hoping for the hoping for the Raiders to win again. He's still actually buried. You know, he's he's alive somewhere in the the bowels of Raider Stadium. We, That's Walt Disney. They've been frozen. 
<laughs> no, no, he's still alive. They're just they have him in this stasis, waiting for the Raiders to be good again, and then he'll, they'll wheel him out there. Zero you know, chance. Uh, zero chance. Raiders we, have a winning season. Zero chance. We ever saw that movie. Zero. No idea. No idea. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. So, um, I guess we didn't really talk about this l- last week because I don't think we knew about it. The, the Weimer moved to RCH. Uh, for the rest of Supercross, I think we did our podcast on a Sunday, and Jake was riding a Suzuki at that point, and didn't really, don't think we talked about it. Did we talk about it last week? No, we had to wait on the PR. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. We no, we knew about it, but we we made a joke. We did make a joke. We make a joke about stick to your program. <laughs> Everything's working. Don't change anything. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, right. That's right. Because people like people understand like like I get some flack on Twitter. You guys probably not as much, but like oh. You're an asshole for not, you know, you, 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 the old, I got a secret that you can't tell. Well, here's my, my thing for that. Like, I heard it from Weimer. Do you know what I mean? And he said, can you keep it quiet? So it's not like I did some sort of massive undercover investigation and, you know, Sherlock Holmes and, and, and I found this news out and I was keeping it from everybody. If the guy, if I do no work, the guy tells me about it. Then ask me to keep it quiet. It'd be kind of a dick move to put it out there for the world, right? I mean, yes. Like I did no work to get that scoop. I, I'm the guy trusted me to tell me. So that's why when you do these things, sometimes you can't say anything because you didn't find it out. The guy just told you, and he asked you to keep it quiet. And it would be a bad move, friendship wise, connection wise, everything else, uh, future connections down the road to to blab it. So. Well, and technically, you are. Uh, I mean, you know, because you're, you know, you're one of Jake's uh, sponsors, so yeah, I'm sure yeah. you had to negotiate. Oh, it's, yes, yeah. but there, there's a whole other side of that collusion. No, no, of, uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's, um, there's tons of ins and outs to our deal. Lots of uh, antitrust. Yeah, lots of deals, and and we had to clear some things with uh, the government and everything else to try to make sure that everything was treated above board, and there was no insider information going. So, right. Um, your lawyer you had to get all your lawyers involved. I'm sure. The best thing ever Pulp, is Pulp stock was about to skyrocket. <laughs> the best thing ever is it's the best money ever spent because he says all these people at the races, "Hey, when's the signing? Hey, how's the sticker? Is it there?" Like he can't get away from it. And, and so, yeah. for me, just for him to say like, "Your your people, man, what's up with your people?" And uh, that's worth the money alone. So, anyways, let's uh, talk. Let's good. talk about the deal. So, we, you and I talked to Kyle Bentley a little bit. Um, and one of the things I thought was a little surprising was they said that they're going to continue to support Jake. Jake's not doing the outdoors. He was never going to do the outdoors on Tedder. Not going to do them on the RCH team. But Kyle was he telling... Just, uh, and just to clarify, he told us there, I guess he still has some hardware, I think, in the arm from last year. Is that what he was telling us? He has to get some, something done, some surgery done. So that's why he can't race outdoors. It's not like he's giving up on outdoors. I didn't hear that part. I don't know if you're just making that up to make it clear that... Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. the outdoors. You are the you are the you are the voice of motocross, and there is a, you know, there is a a um thing. For, There's a summer series out there. There is a summer series out. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, no. He motioned. He said he can't. No, he cannot. He said he can't race outdoors. He's got to get this thing taken out of his arm, and then he pointed to his upper arm, which I guess is what that's what he broke last year, right? I was talking to Kyle Bentley, then. I do not remember that. But I'm not saying you're lying. But um, well, we were also talking to Pat Alexander and five <laughs> other people at the same time, and hearing about Luke Clout. I think I was telling. I think later. I was telling Pat Alexander how great it is that two of the F Suzuki has two of the F presence on the track again, right about the time Luke Clout was breaking his femur. So, I think that was exactly. Literally. Yeah. You're saying to Pat, "Good job on bringing back the 250F program. It's good to see him out there." And then your phone at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Clout, <laughs> oh, red Luke flag. Clout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So anyways, um, anyway, so, so okay, so back to Weimer. Uh, RCH, Suzuki's still going to help him if he wants bikes for outdoors to go race. If he wants to race, if he wants to do something on his own, or who knows if there's a fill-in spot. This surgery thing just got dumped on me by Weege right now. So maybe he's not even going to do it anyways. But I found that deal a little interesting. Uh, Weimer was not going to do it if it wasn't just for a fill-in. And JT, that's smart. Like, there's no – these teams love to do that, but there's nothing in it for guys to leave everything they're doing for four to five races. Yeah, I think it's got to be the whole season or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he was showing that he could do well on his own program. Yeah. Uh, I think <clears throat> there was a lot of benefits to moving to RCH, but it's not like he was had a bike that was falling apart and couldn't finish races. So, um, yeah, I, I – absolutely think if if they had offered him just a few race deal he wouldn't have done it yeah it uh well you know i'm kind of hearing i'm kind of hearing that tickle could be out a little bit longer you guys hearing that like he had pretty good dislocated his wrist yes i've done that and it's uh i don't know i haven't talked to doctors but i know if you dislocate your wrist it's a it's all of three months i mean i know i've done it twice so yeah um it's it's much much worse than breaking it uh, because you have ligament damage and they have to pin it, and and as everyone knows, ligaments are always worse than bones as far as recovery time. So, I think it's the typical song and dance for race teams where they say it's going to be three weeks, mm-hmm. and then that turns into six, and then that turns into well, we're going to we'll try to get them back for outdoors. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they have sponsors. No, just, yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah, they're trying right. to not get fined and whatever. But um, if that's what it was, if it was a uh, which typically it's the lunate bone uh, that will dislocate. Um, like everyone, everyone's kind of had the same thing. Gerky, myself, yeah. Rocco, I mean, everyone's done it. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's 12 weeks before you're riding. So. Yeah. And again, it's not the bone that's the problem. It's stretching out of all the ligaments. Yeah. It yeah. tears all the ligaments off the bone and they yeah. have to repin them and then reattach. And right, right. I know we're not a medical podcast, but it's a pretty nasty injury. Yeah, we stayed at a holiday Inn last night. Right. There you go. Um, so anyways, we, she did pretty well. He did well. Um, he, uh, Top ninth in practice or something, and then uh, ninth in the main event, and he was up in the mix again, like less than seven days on the bike. Pretty good, pretty good outing for him. It was a good move. Yeah, it's hard to measure how much is he was clearly in an upward swing and, and riding well as it is. So we'll never be able to, you know, the rider versus bike versus team conundrum. We will still not solve it with this info, but it definitely was, I think, the best he's done. I mean, he was really good at San Diego, but. He was just, I think, in the mix a little more, even in practice and in the heat and stuff. But mm-hmm. whatever, he was improving every week, it seems as it is. So I don't know how much you can say it's him or the bike, but obviously it looks like it's going to be a good combo. Nice story developing, for sure. Yeah, keep, it, keep an eye on it. Hopefully he stays, yeah. stays upright. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the track, JT? I, it got rougher than I really anticipated it getting. You know, I, everyone that walked the track knew it was soft and it was going to get ruddy in practice and all that. Um, but I really liked the way the dirt looked. I, I thought the traction was going to be really, really good. Uh, but I thought that by the night that it would um, not not get hard like Anaheim, but I thought it would harden up enough to where it was pretty manageable. Uh, but it really didn't. It stayed soft, stayed ruddy. Um, it got really, really uh, rough, like bumpy rough, mm-hmm. almost like outdoors in some yeah. sections. Uh, and I think it was tough for a lot of guys because, as we've seen with, you know, the modern supercross setup it's so incredibly stiff uh that those conditions the bike just don't work well they they want to hop around and Mm -hmm. and when the ruts are super the whoops are super ruddy like that you know we kind of saw Stu's bike just all over the place at times uh and that's just that's just the bike being so rigid and so stiff with their suspension Mm -hmm. settings that it doesn't it doesn't work 
So we saw a lot of guys crashing and a lot of guys looking, you know, kind of like a fish out of water at times. It was motocrossish. Right, yeah, the track was just rougher than anything these guys ride on anymore as far as Supercross setup. Right. Um, big news, uh, Stu came back. James Stewart came back. He put in motos during the week, I guess, Weegian was fine, but clearly the, the concussion symptoms came back and he threw his goggles when he had to pull out. At this point now, Weege, like to me, just, hey, see you in a month. Get back on the bike in a month. You know, that's what I'm at. If I'm, if I'm Mike Webb, if I'm James and his and his people around him, because um, these things, you can't fool around these things, and they they can linger, and you're not doing himself any good, even though, like they said, they, he rode this week and was fine. Yeah, that was uh, that was I was that was the question I was going to have uh, for something we'll do online this week because um, Chase Stallo and myself were batting that around, you know, and he's like, oh, he just needs to park it, right? And I, I guess so. I mean, until we found that it was a blurred vision, I wasn't sure if it just in general he wasn't ready. You know, was he just tired or was there some other issue? But uh, if it's definitely a concussion issue, like you know, what are you going to do? And hey, this goes back to my point two weeks ago. Like, yes, he passed the concussion test, but that apparently isn't the be-all, end-all, because here we are three weeks later, and he still can't do 20 laps. It's still a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think There's it's... still some lingering effects. I yeah, think, I mean, then, that's just something yeah. with concussions. And on all sports across the board, there is no protocol, set plan. Everybody reacts different, you know? He looked tired, yeah, though, too. Yeah, and, uh, I, right, I don't know how much is... Which is which is connected, but I I know from talking to enough of these guys and JT maybe you've even been through it yourself. Uh, I talked to uh, there's a writer named Justin Brayton who I talked to him time to time. Oh yeah, know. yeah, no, never heard of him. No. Heard of him? Yeah, 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 yeah I'm a big fan. Um, so he told me last year when he was hurt, you know, he took the concussion test and and rode during the week, and it was like he could get his heart rate say in a rowing machine or during the week he could get it up to say 180, but it was that 190 that only happened in the moto that made all the difference. Um, so he had no idea that he would have problems until he was mid-race and in a battle. So that's often what these guys are dealing with. It's not like they have doctors that don't know what's going on. It's just you can't get that heart rate to the point that you get until you're actually in a race, and then it's, oh, also uh, totally different than the best. Also, too, yeah. JT, James, he got second in the heat, you know, ran up front in the main. He almost ate it a few times, too. He looked rusty. <laughs> Yeah, he just looked like he hadn't been riding. Um, and then, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't back it down because he's James, so he right, doesn't back it down. I can tell you one thing. He's lucky that he is so talented because most mere mortals would be still laying on the track from a few of those, um, you well, know, sketchy moments. Or, so. or I was going to say a few mortals who had not a fork set up that had, like, two-by-fours in them. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? Oh, like, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That thing moves? It would not move. Well, that you know, everyone who works with James, like when Ricky had his shock set up, Everyone who works with James goes, dude, it's too stiff. You can't ride like that. It's not. It doesn't work. And James loves it, and that's what it is. But back to JT, yeah, sketchy, sketchy. Yeah, and I, and I wonder, you know, we we all kind of made light of the fact that he, he looked a bit heavier coming into the season than the previous James Stewart we've seen. Um, you know, that's it, just visually obvious. Um so I wondered how his fitness would be based on that. Um, so I don't know if that's still coming into play. You know, I think he would have to have more than seven laps in him, um, you know, at A1 before he had this concussion. But it can't be helping anything. Cause, because I, I firmly, it's just my opinion, 
but I don't believe he came in as prepared as you know he probably should have or would like to. So I think he's dealing with a few compounded you know problems where he came in underprepared in my estimation. Then he had a concussion where he really couldn't do anything because he you know couldn't train, couldn't do anything to get his heart rate up. So he's in a really really bad spot. Not only you know with the blurry vision as they claim, uh, and I'm sure he's dealing with after effects of that, but also just the fitness side of having to sit around when he was already maybe underprepared. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do much exercise with a concussion. You know, again, right. heart rate thing. Right. I talked yeah. to a prominent rider yesterday, and you know, I think this is well known. Like James doesn't have a lot of friends in the pits. Not a lot of racers hang out with him. Some guys mm-hmm. don't like him. Um, and James, well, that's, some of it's been by his own. No, no, I was just gonna say some of it is James's own doing. Yeah. Some of it is just perception and right. and whatever you know or, or whatever. <clears throat> so it's, it's both ways. And mm-hmm. so he doesn't have a lot of friends uh, in the pits for for all these different reasons. I don't think there's a lot of dislike, but I think he's he. Yeah, I would agree with you that he definitely has. He's kind of on his own program. Right, sure. right. And yeah. most of these guys bro down and talk to each other. And I, James is a bit shy. I have a good relationship. I like him. Uh, Weed, you talk to him. I like him. But he's a bit shy. He admits that. And then he's done some things on the track to people. And I think, uh, you know, different different reasons for different guys. But anyways, the point is, I was talking to a prominent rider yesterday, and he asked me, what about Stu? And I'm like, oh, it's not good. And then I said, do you think he'll ever win again? And this guy said, nope. He's done. And I'm like, well, how can you say that? Anyways, that's what someone said. He's done. Like, do you guys think he's done? Is this the beginning of the end? I don't personally think he's necessarily done. I wouldn't go that far. But I do think he's got a lot of work to do to get back to winning form. Uh, Fitness-wise, getting, you know, this concussion thing cleared. I just think he's going to have a really hard time getting into enough, a good enough physical shape during the middle of the season. Um, I personally don't think he's going to win this year. You know, I think if yeah. he comes in, he comes in with the level of preparation we've seen from him and we expect from him. No, I, I definitely think he can win. That you know, he still has ability. He just got to be, he's got to be ready with the level of competition there is right now. Because you know, he, there's guys like Anderson and Dungey and Roxon and Reedy's. You know, probably the best we've seen in him in a few years. Uh, these guys aren't going to cut him any slack. So it's not like he can go out there and just you know stroll his way to a win he's gonna have to go out and get it how old is he 29 i think he's 30 30 right 30 yeah what do you think weege yeah there's a lot going against him there's a lot of stacked up uh and uh i believe in our preseason podcast um you know jt and i were crazy insane for thinking that he might not win a race this year but this is what you have to have in the back of your mind that something like this could have happened i mean just look at the evidence coming into the season it was all going badly well, the talk was if he does not get hurt. That, that's what I said. Yeah, if he, that's not a fair one because the, well, that's – Your mom's there, not there, fair. Okay, well, RV would probably win a lot of races this year if he had not retired. I'm just dealing with the reality is there's a greater odds of James getting hurt than other dudes. It just – this is this stuff happens a lot, and it happened at Monster Cup, and it happened at Lil, and it happened at just oh, – like. All these things are just this, – this stuff doesn't happen to – some riders have more tendencies than others, right? Odds of Dunge getting hurt lower than Stu. That's what I'm saying. So I just feel like that's too big an if to say if he doesn't get hurt. Yes, if everything goes perfectly, he probably would win a race. But what are the odds if everything would go perfectly? They weren't good, and they continue to not be good. Well, so he's got – he's still got that incredible yeah. skill better than 95% of the dudes out there. So he, if he gets in shape a little bit – Gets healed from this concussion thing. I'm not ready to say like that guy was to me yesterday that he's just done. 
Just not. I'm not either. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not either. No, me neither. If you watch that heat race, it's crazy, man. Like you see the full spectrum. You see a couple moments of near death. And by the way, like, isn't it crazy that he he's clearly not a hundred percent ready, prepared, hasn't really raced a supercross in over you know what a year and a half or something. And Dude, what he's does just he try to f- do? Yeah. Pull shot and go for the win. Go for the win. He's just got to finish. Try to send Tomac off. I'm going to battle this dude for the lead. He's just got to finish, you know? He didn't care. Tomac tried to pass him. He tried to get him back. (laughs) (laughs) And then Alessi passes him. And then the 800. Briefly. Did that that spike the 800 as well? Like, did that get the 800 going? I don't know. I think it fired James up. It got got super weird there for a minute. Yeah, well, like, you know how Stu, like at Muddy Creek, when Stu was like, right. no, yeah, yeah, you know the ultimate scrub, which we don't really see from James anymore. I think that you know, for whatever reason, that's a guy that James looks at like he's not beating me no matter what. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be in the ambulance I, I, before this 800 guy. There's um, a lot of that. Yeah, I think it goes back to. I think you could probably trace it like 12 years ago. Say we're like. James was the guy, and it was like, well, the next guy should be Alessi. And I'm sure it was like James, like that day, said, well, I'm going to make sure that never happens. Right. He's not beating me ever. It's, you can just, it happens a lot. It's like James, like, well, I'll pass you in the next 10 feet of the track. Or it's like Carmichael when they put Pastrana on the t shirt, right? They're all, everyone loved Pastrana. And Carmichael was on top, and he was like, no, no, no. No, no, I am still on the top. This, this 199 yeah. kid is not. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I was going to say, in that heat race, okay, there's all these crazy moments. But if you go back and watch it, there are like two or three corners or sections where he is poetry in motion, and he actually even pulled away from Tomac and Roxon temporarily. Like, there's still oh. 10% of that heat race was still like, damn, as good as Tomac and Roxon are, he still got through this section like they couldn't even do. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's moments of brilliance. There's no doubt about that. It's just... Being able to put that together, corner after corner, lap after lap, he doesn't have that right now. Right. right. Well, yeah. Well, so getting back to what I was saying, you think he's just out for a month now? If if, if you're Mike Webb and James, is that what you guys do? Or do you think we still see him come back every week and ride practice and see how he feels? I think and he's got to go week to week and just see how he feels. I mean, how do you gauge that? You know, there's no way to replicate it. That's the problem. Like, like Weed was talking about with Brayton, you can't replicate it. Yeah, so but so what just, do you do? So just you know? stay away. That's it. We're, we're, we're coming back in a month. But, man, it's so tough when he's already been out for, you know, 16 months. Dude, I know. I know. Yeah, it's, that's tough to do, and I'm sure he doesn't want to do that. He's probably got pressure from, you know, Suzuki corporate and whoever, you know, Red Bull, whoever is probably like, man, we really need you to participate here. Um, whether they're saying that or not, someone, I guarantee you someone along the, along the line is hoping that. Yeah, they're hoping um, it, but I don't, if, yeah. right. I, I don't think they would pressure no. him, but yeah, he's got to know that's going on, you know. Right. No one, no one realizes that he's been out for so long more than him, so. Right. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have the answer for you. I'm just saying there's got to be a lot of things tearing at that, you know, pulling in each direction for that decision. Yep. Interesting. The Ryan Dungey won again, uh, three out of four. Got a, almost a race lead now in the points over Anderson and Chad, and he looks. You know, Roxon. We'll talk about Roxon and Muscan in a second. No, let's talk about it now because we had a couple of people that were very upset with Marvin for cross jumping and moving over on Roxon, and I watched. I didn't see anything bad on the race. JT, uh, you know, you've talked about Muskin doing this before. 
And to me, like if you're talking about a, the over-under bridge, everybody was drifting left and then hitting it and getting right. Everybody was doing that. That's the way the ruts were set up. Um, the right. rollers, you come in wide off a triple, and then you squeeze to the inside to the before the mm-hmm. overrun. Like I, I saw nothing. I saw everything was fine. A guy racing the track, but there was one or two people that were really upset with Muscan, and I heard, I can't verify this. I heard Roxon was one of them, but I don't get it. The yeah. guy's racing. He's that's the I way think, the track was going. I think Marvin has a tendency for that. I, you know, I've been very critical of him in the past. I think he was doing it on purpose and way over the line with Cooper Webb at times last year. Uh, but I didn't see it too much. I saw him maybe maybe a couple times, but it wasn't the blatant stuff that I was really, really critical of last summer. Uh, but, you know, it, it's really tough from the press box to really see the angles, you know. And, and honestly, Roxon would be the one. You know, if, it, if anyone's going to know and, and really understand how the track flowed and where Muscan was maybe moving, Roxon's going to be the one. So I, I would be really interested to, to hear Roxon's comments you know, obviously off the record would be more candid, but even if he said anything on the record, you could kind of get a glimpse at what his 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 viewpoint was on that. What do you think, Weege? I think, uh, like, as a completely isolated case, like just those three laps, I didn't think it was anything crazy. I thought it was just a guy trying not to get passed. But I think what makes it look bad is that, I mean, Watson hasn't gotten a good start, right? Like, that's Rox has been trying to get a good start all year. Yeah. And now, I mean, what are the chances that Marvin, whose best finish this year is a ninth, and has had some issues coming into the season, blah, blah, like he's not going to hold him off for all 20 laps. It's almost inevitable at some point that Rox will get him. So I think when you start mixing all those factors in, it's like, what are you doing, man? Why are you even bothering to, to race him? So I think that's what makes it look so bad. Roxon's desperate to finally have a shot at Dungey. One dude is preventing it from happening. It's a dude who's probably not going to hold him off for 20 laps anyway. So I think you mix all that in, and that's what makes it look bad. But that's not really how it's supposed to work. You're, no, you race. It's yeah. called a race. Uh, the, you race. The start. Yeah, they don't say in the yeah. riders' meeting, like, if you haven't gotten a podium yet this year and you're racing someone who has, you're not allowed to try to hold him off. Like, I don't think itself it was dirty, but I could see – if you were watching it or if you're in the stands or if you were even Roxon, you'd be like, just, I want to see a race between Roxon and Dungey. Why is this guy messing well, it up? But that, and that's why I diverted to this because Roxon did eventually get by him. And I believe the gap was 2.8, maybe a little no, higher. 1. What? I think it was only 1.8. Oh, I thought it was 2.8. Okay. But anyways, the point is, Dungey grew it to six at one point yeah. before backing yeah. it down and he won by three. So... Ryan Dungey was still better than Kenny Roxon. Roxon rode great. He rode fantastic. But he lost time to Dunge, whether it was lappers, whether it was whatever. Point is, is Dunge pulled away. A six-second yeah. lead is nice. And if you're Roxon, you've got to be – I mean, oh, he's a pretty positive dude. He works, you know, he works pretty hard. But you've got to be like just bumming because he rode well. But Dunge still pulled away a little bit. Like, I don't know. How do you stop think, him? Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Go ahead, Oh, I was going to say is, yeah, as much um, dominating and winning as Bungie has been doing over the last 12 months, all the titles and race wins and all that, I feel like if you're Roxon and his team and people around him who are obviously going to try to, you know, say as much, think as much positive as they can, they probably feel like, yeah, but you know what? You haven't had an all-out speed contest against Dunge on equal footing. Like, we know outdoors that like Kenny had some nagging injuries, and they obviously had some problems getting the bike set up. Supercross last year, Kenny was waiting before he smashed his face at Oakland and then hurt his ankle and everything else. So 
through an entire year, you could pretty much put a, yeah, but I haven't raced Dungey straight up the entire time. This really was a true test, and I have to think that Kenny might even be a little surprised. Like, don't you think that Kenny and people in his corner were like, dude, if it comes down to who's faster, you could still be Dungey. Yeah, he's the champ, but you were hurt last year. Don't yeah, you think you so? Know why all these guys fool themselves with their entourages and, and chicks but, and teams. Yeah, you know, they, the goal, all, yeah. they all, Yeah, they all fool themselves, right. Right, so I'm sure they were thinking that. I'm not saying that that makes Kenny delusional or out of his mind. It's just what racers do. Yeah. And I can't think of another Supercross race where they really was like this. Like, they last year, Dungey Doll was winning pretty much after Kenny got hurt at Oakland. That's not saying Dungey wouldn't have won the title anyway or wasn't better, but they never really faced off. And this year, Kenny hasn't started with them. So those were pivotal laps in my mind. Maybe it was just one race, but I have to think, like, wow. He's really good right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I was really looking forward. Once he got by Muskan, I was looking forward to this race. Because, I, I mean, I picked Kenny to win the last few weeks. I think, you know, I do think he's as good as Dungey. But not in Oakland. Yeah. And, you know. No. Yeah. Yep. So, what did you see, JT? I thought, really, the uh, <clears throat> the biggest thing was that, you know, Roxon's at this point, I, I feel like he to beat Dungey right now, you either need to be able to go faster than him or you need to start ahead of him uh, because Dungy is so fit and so strong and so confident right now. The longer that it goes into the race where Dungy is in control or can you know see the lead or whatever, uh, I just think that plays into Dungy's hands. So, you know, once it got to the halfway point or, or whenever Roxon finally got around Muscan, I had no doubt that Dungy was going to win because I knew that Roxon didn't have a huge speed edge. And I just knew the way the track was that those guys were going to start getting tired. Whether they dropped off lap times or not was different than that was a really, really demanding track physically. Uh, and it was a pretty long main event. Uh, I just I just was very, very confident in Dundee's ability in that situation. Uh, he, he's the fittest rider on the track, in my opinion. Uh, in a race like that where he can see rocks and rocks is not necessarily catching him, uh, I don't, you know, I didn't really see much of a chance for Roxon in that scenario, other than a big mistake or crash or something stupid. I asked him after, I asked Dungey after the race if he had, it was just the best he's ever ridden. He wouldn't really go there, you know how he does it. But he said, you know, more time on the bike, more time with Alden this off season, and you know, the new bike is another year developed, and that's but the goal. You can goal. see it though. You can see it in his demeanor. I mean, forget about the riding. If you had never even, never even watched him race this year. You could have talked to him or seen him in an interview or his his interaction with people maybe two years ago and see it now. He's a different person. He's so much more confident and just sure of himself and comfortable in his own skin with where he places himself right now. I put more stock in that than anything else. It's such a mental edge he has, and he's so just, you know, his confidence level is just through the roof, and that that shines outwardly through his personality. Uh, because yeah, we've it, always kind of said he's he's kind of been introverted and he wasn't really sure of himself in interviews and all that, and, and you don't see that anymore. You just see a different person, and I just think that's a direct reflection on, you know, how he feels about where he's at as, as far as his ability and his standing in the sport. You must have saw him uh, after the interview that we did in the pits pat me on the back and say, see you next week, buddy. No, but that's all that. That's all just, you know. See you next week, buddy. Um, that's a comfort level, and that's, uh, you know, th- there's so many things that allow him to be that comfortable and not stressed out and not uptight and all, you know what I mean? That that all, you can, you can read a lot about a person's um, 
confidence level in how they act, just even when they're off their bike. Hmm. One of the things I, I always <clears throat> disagree with, people always say, oh, Dungeon's a diesel, he'll take a podium, you know, he'll, he'll take a podium and get the points. I never agreed with that. I always felt like, no, he gets a podium. Like, he did not ever race against Lopoto and say, I'm going to take second today and get the points. He tried to win, and then he did not win, and he ended up getting second. He didn't take second. He got second. And I feel like you could tell that then because it was never like he was super comfortable or pumped or outgoing or not. Like, he would get second, and he could tell it was like, I don't know what to do. This is not what I want. I tried everything I could, and I still can't. Like, you could see the difference. And I think what's really dangerous now is he's, okay, I think chances are he's probably not going to win 16 in a row to end the season. But so at some point he's going to get second or third. How, how do you, like uh, previous Dunge, what's that? How do you beat him right now? He might. How do you beat him right now? Well, he's not going to get a start every single time, and these guys are good. So some weeks he'll start ninth, and maybe Roxon will win. But I think that will be the first time that I feel like Dunge truly does take a podium. He doesn't just get a podium. Uh, you won't see any questioning of himself or being rattled or some dude getting in his head or anything like that, uh, where I think you did used to see with him a little bit. No, he's he's too confident for that now. You can see him right. when he's behind right. people now. There's no waiting. He doesn't wait on anyone anymore, where he used to have a really, yeah. really tough time with that. Uh, and that all comes back to what I was saying. He's just so confident compared to where he was a couple years ago. Yeah, so one or two races here and there. Like I said, he's not going to win 16 in a row to win out, but if he gets second or third at a couple races, that's not going to make any dent. And now I'm seeing – dude, I can't remember. Do you, can you think of times in the previous seven years where you saw Dunge do something on the track where you were like, damn, dude, did you see Dunge through there? It's happening all the time now. Like every week I think there's something where you're like, wow, that was impressive. Yeah. yeah you know what's interesting yeah. to me is how – and, I, you know, we all know that I'm a huge Alden Baker proponent here. Um, but I can see his race strategy has changed so much. Uh, he basically does what Villapoto did. He gets out front early, lays down really, really good laps early, and then it's over. He just does it every time now in the heat race, in the main events. Yeah, but, he, JT, that, that was Jeremy McGrath's way for 72 races, you know? Well, I'm saying, that, you know, Dungey was winning before, and he didn't have right. even the races he won. He didn't have this killer instinct, aggressive level at the beginning of the race is more what I'm getting at. You know, whether he won or not, you really see him put down his best laps early, and it gives him that gap. Yeah. Uh, and, and we never saw that from Ryan is what I'm getting at. It's, it's a new um, – it's just a new aspect of his race craft. That, and I know Alden preaches that because I've sat there and listened to it. Uh, and I just, I've seen Dungy be able to change that. And he always struggled there. He was always not very good at the beginning. Villapoto would get away and then they, you know, Dungy would find the pace, but it was most of the time it was too late by then, but he's really doesn't do that. I mean, did you see the lead he pulled in the heat race right away? He was gone. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. absolutely yeah. was gone yeah. and he just didn't do that before. So I, it's just something I noticed. Uh, Muskan yeah, in the heat race last week, he passed Roxanne on the, what, first lap, second lap of the yeah. heat. Like that's just right. not, yeah. Right. Something that uh, he normally does. Uh, Muscan rode great to get that third, like we said. Anderson rode great again, but, man, his starts are killing him. 11, 11, and 12, yeah. the first lap positions the last three races. Not much you can do going back to Dun the, the starts and Dungeon starts. Not much you can do if you're Anderson. Well, yeah, you, you can't know? give, you know, somebody that you, if you're equal to or, you know, maybe 
you're hoping you're a little better than, which it would be tough to make that case, but he's, of mm-hmm. course he's hoping that. You can't give Dungy any edge. I mean, that's, you just can't. You know, I said this would happen after Anderson's week one win. I, I knew that he would drop back down to earth. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All I said was I wouldn't be surprised. If, I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have ripped off more wins. Do you guys still feel like that? Or my uh, yeah, he's riding great. Like if you watch him riding, he is riding really well. Yeah, like but his starts are yeah, killing him. Right. Speaking of starts, Eli Tomac um, after the race, big meeting at Cowie. Um, I had somebody else tell me that they saw Dan Fahey, the manager, and John Tomac after the race at the hotel, talking off to the side at a table. Um, he won the heat this week, but did you guys notice him in practice? In uh, second, third practice of the second practice, but the third normally we 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 lost one set of practices this week. He was trying to lay down a lap, and he was waiting, 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 and he was throwing his arms up even when he came to the mechanics area. He was he was not able to get on the board, and he was pushing. He was tripling into that section. I didn't see anybody else do it all day long. Tripling yep. into that tabletop yep. section. I mean, he looked fast. But you know, this was he's gone four four four, and now this week seven. Oh, well, he was great in the heat race. Yeah, you know, I, but I, I'm not really sure what went on in the main. I wasn't watching him as closely as maybe I should have been. But he was great in practice, great in the heat race, and then you know the main event was just not what he was looking for, obviously. So this is uh, this is getting a little scary. You know, like Roxon, he's got a. I think he's. I mean, last week he threw away a podium, but if you know, if you're Cowie and Monster and Eli and John and everybody else, like you definitely thought it would go, it would go better than four 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 seven. Yeah, but I think the riding is there. You know, that's the he yeah. looked he obviously looked better at Anaheim too, right? Yeah. And then yeah. he looked great in practice in the heat race this weekend. So no, but he wasn't, I don't think it's any reason to panic. He wasn't great in practice. He was trying to lay down fast laps. No, I he thought could. he looked good. Like he was doing that three in. He yeah, was, no, I, I visually I, he looked good. I thought. I know, um, but then the stopwatch, JT, the stopwatch. Yeah, I got you. I, I know where you're going. I'm just saying, there's no reason to hit the panic button. They just no, need to figure out no, what's going. No, I'm wrong. not hitting the panic button, but it's getting a little weird. He hasn't got a podium yet. I think this is somewhat of the fear that you know that everyone you know had. Like, okay, he is going to switch brands. And he is hurt, so he's not going to have quite as much time. Like this is the the risk that you're running that it's just not going to hit uh, the perfect combination immediately. It's going to maybe take some time, uh, and that's just I think the fear that everybody had in the back of their mind. Like, but I feel like take we, we iron this out. I feel like we did a good job of kind of calling that though. We said it was going to take a few weeks. Yeah, you know? brand right. new bike, brand new exactly team, double at. shoulder. Yeah, double yeah. shoulder surgery. Uh, I, if anybody thought he was going to come out and, and be the points leader by now, I, that was, I think, foolhardy because but, you're going up against guys that are firing on all cylinders on bikes they have sorted out already. I should, I should have done this research before the podcast, but I wonder, where has he qualified in the four races? Has he qualified in the top three at any, four, any of the races yet? One lap, throw it down, has he had top three speed? I thought I remember, time one was actually good. Yeah, I, did too. I, thought he, I think he was second at A1. Yeah. I'm looking right now. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, the heat races have been good, but I, I do feel like this weekend was not just he got a bad start. Like, I think um, if he was he riding was, uh, like he normally does, where he probably wanted to, he would have. I mean, he was way back there, and he was. I mean, it's funny. After the race, there's a guy named Justin Brayton. I don't know if you guys know him, but. Jeez. <laughs> Here we go. Dude. Yeah, so I talked to Brayton after the race, and he's like, yeah, I just struggled. It wasn't a good night for me. I wasn't jumping at the track. Just struggled, struggled, struggled. He's like, but hey, 
I actually battled with Tomac for like 10 laps. So I think that kind of shows you like Tomac wants to be ahead of Brayton. Brayton's telling me it's one of his worst nights, and Tomac was in a battle with those guys. I don't think it was just the start. Like it was just something was off altogether. Tomac's gone. Tomac's, Tomac's went fourth at the first round, second in San Diego qualifying, okay. and uh, okay. seventh at A3. At, at A3. It was a bit sir. weird, though, for Tomac to not be great because if you look at his history at tracks like this, uh, Indianapolis in 2014, um, last year, you know, the New York round he won, he, he always seems to excel when the track is terrible. You know, th- this ruddy, soft, rough, beat-up yeah. track, he always does well, and he, he kind of didn't. So that was a little bit weird. I'm not sure if that, you know, that could be yeah. different chassis and not being as comfortable with that chassis, or it could be right. lots of things, but I did notice that. It's going to be interesting to see, too. There's some new Showa forks out. I wrote this in my column coming up on Racer X. Some new Showa forks that are out that everybody loves. They've been doing some preseason testing with them. and Phil Poto's been testing that, right? Yep. And, um, yeah. you know, we know Tomac's not scared to make wholesale changes to his bike. So if things don't go the way according to plan, maybe he throws these things on, which apparently have cured the old Showa habits of not being able to uh, have enough air or too little air. Which is That's just what just what Honda wanted to hear. It's brand new show of forks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll <laughs> see. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, it's funny though. Brayton's pumped Weege because he battled with Tomac, and I think Han was pumped that he battled with Brayton in the semi. So everybody's happy. <laughs> Pretty funny how that works. Right, right. Guys are basic and judging yep. themselves off each other. All right, let's move this thing along. Racer X podcast. Presented by Fox Racing. Uh, Reed had an okay night. I think he was all right. JT, what did he say afterwards? Um, he wasn't thrilled with how he rode. Uh, you know, he he had a few bad laps in the middle behind Sealy. He mm-hmm. just could not find a way around Sealy. And uh, he felt like he basically lost the position to Anderson because of his inability mm-hmm. to make a move. Um, because he was really good the last few laps once he, once he was trying to chase Anderson back down. But by then, you know, it was just too late. So. Yeah. Um, he was a little bummed on himself, didn't get the start he wanted, didn't necessarily ride the way he wanted to. And, uh, you know, he's looking at this thing as title big picture. So yeah. he just lost more points to Dungey and Roxon, and now he's tied with Roxon. So wasn't a great night. wasn't a disaster, but he wasn't happy by any means. Tied with Anderson. Roxon's like one or two. Oh, I'm back. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's what I mean. Um, yeah, it's funny, like, in Supercross, and you see it all the time, like, I asked some guys, like, hey, what about that quad that Tomac was doing last week? And what about the triple this week? And, hey, did you see Reed go 3-3 in that rhythm last week? And these guys who are more than capable of jumping that kind of stuff, and they have the bikes to it and they have the skill to do it, when you get caught up in a rut, in a rhythm, like Chad Wasili and like happened every single race of Supercross history, including yourself, JT, you kind of, like it just happens where you're like, you just can't break out of it and you can't, decide to jump some quad that you haven't jumped or whatever because you're in this rhythm and you get caught in it and you you got to get guys right away otherwise there's that danger yeah it's it's really tough i mean you get tunnel vision really really badly in in races and you kind of find your line and then you just want to execute that line 20 times mm-hmm. uh which i always thought that um Stu, Stu and and chad and carmichael were maybe the best three i ever saw that would change their lines mid-race, and mm-hmm. really they would be working the track out mid-race, you know, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't – I had a really tough time with, and I see lots of people have a tough time with that, is once you kind of get your go, going into your laps, like you said, it's really hard to 
be like, oh, well, that's faster. I'm going to change and do that, or I'm going to try this big yeah. rhythm that I haven't done all day. You know. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I 100% agree. It's it's a talent to be able to be that aware um, mid race and be able to do something about it. Pike was eighth again in the last lap and ate crap on that triple going to the turn. He was down for a long time, so he was the last guy in the lead lap. Two yep. crappy weeks for Pike in a row. Not happy. Not very happy. Although parking freeze probably brought a little bit of joy to him, I would guess. <laughs> I'm sure. He, I'm sure he felt it was pretty. I'm sure he was a little worried um, about if anybody was going to say anything to him. But I'm sure he was very. That excited. pass was fine, though, right? I agree. Yeah. I'm yeah, just. Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah, I mean, right. You never know if somebody's going to get black flagged or right. what's going to happen out there. Um. All right, and Phil Phil crashed. Death cross got him, and then he had a front brake problem. So Damn not, that guy. Not, oh, not he good, scares me out there. Not a good night for the JGR guys again. Baggett was back. Big crash in the heat. Glad he was all right. After that, I think he was like, okay, I'm just going to survive. Yeah, I, I like the people that are on Twitter um, making fun of Baggett for not being able to pick his bike up. You know, I'm not sure if they realize he just had a broke, you know, broken shoulder and broken ribs and broken all kinds of broken things that he's trying to lift mm-hmm. with, you know? So Yeah. We eat anything else from four for these catch your eye? I feel like Baggett was in practice at least <clears throat> looked a little more frisky and aggressive than he usually does. He's usually not that good in practice. But I think that heat rage crash took it all out of him. I think right. he would have done better. But he was not the same, I don't think, after that. Yeah. Porcel, I don't even know. I don't know where to start. Let's move on. No one does. He looks around so much in the air and everything. You notice that, JT? He yeah, he doesn't lefty like. He doesn't want to be by anybody. Just I don't want to crash. Don't hit me. Don't you know where are you at? You know. It was funny though to see him in the LCQ because he was forced to get out of that. Yeah, he had to. He had to go for it. Yeah. He was you know going three wide in the whoops and doing all kinds of things that I'm sure he just hated. I think you realize he like, to. oh my God, I'm not going to make this. Some right. guy that raps for a living is going to beat me. <laughs> or some guy that not, not rap for a living, but yeah. Bogle? No. Oh. Seven Deuce Deuce. Okay. By the way, Tommy Hahn nailing Seven Deuce Deuce so hard. Oh. oh. Thank God Adam's a bigger guy. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, all right, let's move on to 250s. Uh, let's first take a commercial break here on the uh, Racer X podcast and presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech Suspension. Save yourself some money with the folks at Race Tech. Use the code PulpMX. 2016 when you're checking out to save money there and also to michelin starcross 5 terrific uh, brand new tire from the folks that uh, that know tires and have been around for a long time so listen to this commercial we'll be right back hey thanks for listening to the btosports.com racer x podcast presented by fox racing race tech people racetech.com these guys have been in business for over 30 years supplying racers riders and tuners with factory level suspension to everyday racer there's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech trust me on this there's more than a few guys that have learned underneath paul feed and gone on to uh, to great things paul feed the original suspension guru i guarantee you and probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. 
You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? Go to PulpMX2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiff is that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire they cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Racer X Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, Oakland Supercross Review, 250s. Well, Weege, they got a series now. That was... I mean, I didn't want to, I'm not happy for Cooper Webb's misery, but things got a lot more exciting. Definitely not getting eight slices of the wind pie. No, no, wind pie is nope. not, yeah, no, wind pie is, is down. So, but, um, there's a couple ways to look at this. Like the bike problem, obviously, you know, I, I, chances are he was going to win that race. He's won a lot of them. But, Savachi did a great job. Like, he was not getting yarded. So, there's a couple different angles to this. Like, it's, if he was winning by 30 seconds and then the bike broke, you'd be like, ah, whatever. But now that he's actually behind and there's only, what, five races to go and the points are relatively close, a lot less margin for error now. Mm hmm. Five races. Five races. Phoenix, San Diego. No. Dallas. Dallas. Oh, yeah, Dallas. Dallas. Santa Clara. And Vegas and counts. Vegas counts, yeah. How are they doing yeah. Vegas? Are they doing it um, one East-West main event, and then that's how they're doing it, and 25 points to 22, or are they scoring them separately? I don't know. I, I, could, totally, I could totally see them scoring. I can totally see them scoring it separately to not piss anybody off, which would be a joke. I hate I, I hate that. Yeah, I do too. Anyways, so, yeah, Savachi's what, been good. Your, <laughs> If you want to uh, score the maximum points, uh, beat the dudes who are on the track. Oh, it's not fair. That guy's from the West. He beat me, but that shouldn't count. Well, beat him. Well, Weege, this is uh, get all the points. 
I agree with you, but this is a society and a world we live in where these guys get full points for their efforts for raising a, a class with half the people. Christian Craig got the yeah, exact same amount of points point. as Marvin Muscan this past weekend. Yep. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Good right. job. Um, Webb's DNF was weird. Weed, you talked to the guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they just say they, electrical? Yeah, it was electrical, which, of course, that's like just right. a chuckle because I know it's always that. But they did have a few more details on it, just that they were, you know, I was like, yeah, but what about the smoke? And uh, Brad over at Sonar was like, all I could think of is it died. Something was wrong, maybe the stator. It dies. He's gassing it, trying to get out of the corner, and then it won't ignite. So now it's got just raw fuel in it. And then when he kicked it, that was what was coming out. Now, I don't know. I mean, we could Zapruder film it and figure out, was that raw fuel? Was that steam? Was that uh, smoke? But the bike did refire, and they said they rode it back to the pits. He even did a lap, didn't no, he? No, he did a lap. Yeah. 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 So truly, it didn't blow. Like, no. if it was smoke, yeah. So they might be right. One of the weirder DNS I've ever seen, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then what Cooper said, you know, he took the gas cap off and it was vapor lock. He said it on TV. It happened to him on a 65 at Loretta's, but they were like, yeah, with EFI, that's not really vapor lock. Well, and, and the temperature. You know, you get vapor lock from fuel boiling. Yeah, at a, hmm. uh, 10 minutes into a supercross. Yeah, fifty-degree night. Fifty-degree night, right? But yeah, it was weird, man. And the, you know, I don't know, super weird. Pushed it off. It was super weird. He he could yeah. have worked on the bike right there, and then he pushed it over to these banners, to these tough blocks, and kind of hidden. And he didn't want the guys to help him push it because he didn't want any outside assistance. It's like he knew he what was wrong, and he knew he was going over to these tough blocks. That was my theory. Weed, you thought I was a little crazy for it, but like, why not just do all what he was going to do right there? In the open, why push it off that way? Like, Matheson's theory is that to, out of respect to Yamaha, he did not want people to see him working on the motorcycle, so he purposely hid behind banners so people wouldn't see him. Because he seemed to know, yeah, he seemed to know what had happened. Well, why push it that way? That was so weird. I don't know. (laughs) He's in the middle of a race. He probably didn't have reason for half the stuff he's doing. Just panicking. Just panicking. Yeah. You um, really think in the middle of the race he has a subconscious know. of, oh, my God, my perfect season and points leader is gone, but let me make sure when I work on this thing that for Yamaha's sake, I don't want people to see it. Well, I'm glad he didn't throw it down either. He didn't throw it down on the ground. So, um, What a guy. What a guy. Colt Nichols. This guy's legit. Wow. He's riding really well, JT. He is. Um, you know, I think the, the whole class is um, – basically being given a gift. So uh, we'll see if anybody can capitalize on it. I mean, they're all riding well, but uh, it, it basically they just got a big reset button now. Yeah. Craig Craig fell, got third. Zach Osborne fell, got fifth. Oldenburg was good quietly with the fourth. How about Amart? Oh, poor Amart. Don't worry. Gosh, I, I, what is he? What a, oh. that's a spoken did like, he really hit the tunnel? No, he did not hit the tunnel. He crashed after the finish. And somehow he ended up over the tunnel. He said he threw up. He hit the ground so hard. Yeah, I threw up, too, because he was on my fantasy team. So that makes two of us. <laughs> Bad night for Amart. He looked good all day, Weege. Going into the turn, like the left-hander that was the tunnel, yeah. he clipped the tough like on the inside and then ragdolled under the tunnel. But he never actually got to the wall. But he crashed going into the turn. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did look good. And I asked him what the difference was after the race. And he said, honestly, he just rested more during the week. And he felt like a whole new person. Yeah. 
good ride yep. for good ride for Peters. Good ride for Lieb. This guy's taking advantage of these dudes. Um, Aldridge crashing out. Ah, that's Aldridge tangled with Mel Ross in the first lap, going up the dragon's back and just ate crap. Of course, like it always happens with with you know with Aldridge and his luck and everything else. So not not a good night. Jordan Smith went down. He's got battling battling a bad shoulder. He went down. Thought about quitting. He told me he got up, finished eleventh. But do do we still like Webb to win this, JT? I do. I yeah. think he's the best rider in the class. Uh, but he's you know pressure's on now. I can't, you know, he had a cushion where he could make a mistake and, and that mistake wasn't his, but you know, you're subject to, you know, the team around you yeah. as well. And, and yeah. by, you know, one mistake by your mechanic or just a freak mechanical failure, uh, can undo a lot of good that he's done. And that's what we've seen. So, uh, I do th- still think he wins the title, but man, he's, uh, he's definitely one more mistake. Opened, yeah. He's got, yeah, they've yeah. opened the door to anything can happen now. Yeah. Weege, what do you think? Yeah, same thing. I mean, I think yeah. even if it was a one-race series, you'd, you'd always give him the edge just because he's been the, the best guy. But I think we got to give Savaggi some credit here. I mean, what did you guys think? He was staying surprisingly close, then he even bent his shifter, even here on the TV show, him revving the crap out of it down the start straight, and still wasn't being gapped uh, ridiculously. Like, he was riding well. I'm not saying he was going to pass him and beat him, but he rode really well. Yeah, I thought he rode really well. I just think uh, I think Webb was – also being pretty smart with the track because it was so treacherous. I think he wasn't stressing about Savachi being there. You know, he had a, enough of a gap to where it wasn't in any kind of pressure. Uh, and I just think right. that track was, was really, really easy to throw it away on. And I think he was conscious of that. So not to say Savachi wasn't riding incredibly well. I just think Webb was, was being patient, which was smart. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him, but I think that was – he probably could have gone faster, but he would have opened himself up to maybe throwing it away. Savachi's been like Craig's caught a lot of the headlines because he, you know, he won a heat, dice with Cooper last week, was up front this week until he crashed. I feel like Craig has gotten the second most headlines in this class, but I think Savachi's probably been the second best rider. Would you guys agree with that? I think so. I think you could throw Zach in there too. Zach's been really, really good. He had a, you know. Not not such a great day uh, this weekend, but yeah. um, I think he Zach's been overwhelmingly yeah, solid. Yeah, you know what, you're probably right. Here. Yeah, you're probably right. I forgot about Zacho. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he showed a lot of a lot of speed and heart coming back from where he was after crashing early on. You know, but I mean, when you're one of these elite dudes in his class, you can crash and get a top five or six. You know, your right. your bike's that good, your skills that much good. So why not give him the same amount of points too? By the way. Why not? So, um, Jimmy D, we did you talk to Jimmy D? It's not going so well lately. Did you see him? No, I didn't see him after this one. Yeah. Um, the first couple weeks were okay. Even last week wasn't that bad. But yeah. uh, this was. Um, in the press release that came out, he just said he struggled super bad with the track and it was not good. Hmm. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he kind of went backwards a little bit. Unlike him, lately, the last little while. Um. Yeah. Maybe JT, what he's saying about the track, like, it definitely, it was weird. Like, the track didn't separate in the same way, say, Anaheim 2 did, like, where those whoops were a big separator or Chad jumping something or Eli was. It wasn't a separator like that, but I think it was a separator in that it really just didn't click for a few guys. And then they were just having to fold up the tent and say, let me just get through this. I think Steely even kind of felt that way, didn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, he struggled. He yep. said he struggled with the track and everything. So, so, um, what else? Anything else from Oakland? Uh, no. I, that was the first race we've had in a while where the track was really, really beat up. I thought, you know, maybe yeah, just, New York since New York last year. Yeah. I guess it, that's not too many rounds ago, but the rain it was definitely rain. a different yeah. race than what we've seen so far this year. Yeah, I spent I spent about forty five minutes arguing with Coy Gibbs about GPS. And nationals that cut cut up a good part of my day. So, um, other than that, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you love that or hate that? Hard to say. I, I can't. I got to stop going over there. The team's just awesome. You just go over there and just, you never know what's going to happen or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I was making fun of you in the afternoon for talking to Phil too much, and then in the afternoon you talked to Phil, and I make fun of you more, and then you're talking to Phil and Amart after the race. Of course you were. I go like over there. I go over there. I go over there. Dean Baker, the JGR motor guy, has the data open for Phil. And they're trying to get Phil to find the right RPM to start in. And he, they, they, he can't look at a light. He can't look at a light on his fender. He can't look at a light on, underneath the bars to know what RPM is. He says he's too stupid to do that. And Dean agreed. So they're trying to figure out a way for, for Phil to feel the RPM range. And then Dean brings up Phil's GPS from the race. And it's all over the place. And then Dean's like, this looks like a four-year-old is riding this motorcycle who may be drunk and feels laughing. And like, how can you not love that? It's just great stuff. So He does give you great stuff. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Um, I feel like if you had a GoPro on Phil, it would, be ra- it would not be rated PG. It would be some sort of <laughs> NC-17 rating yeah. on it. Uh, just a terror factor. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, he's not been enjoying himself coming back these last few weeks. It's not been fun for him, you know. He just got to find a way to stay off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Him and Amar. I mean, that, honestly, I would tell him, if I was Coy, I would just tell him, whatever you have to do to not crash this main event, do that. Just don't crash one time. Yeah. What were you saying, Weege? Did you go over and check on uh, Pike at one point and get a detailed description of? Yeah. In practice. Oh, Pike. It is really hard to stay away from that team. It's true. Right. Yeah, no. Pike said he. Characters. Pike said he, he. I said, you look like you racked your nuts. He's like, no, the shaft. <laughs> Not the nut, the shaft. He said he was, yeah. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, he told me that too. He's very specific, actually. I think of what part of it, uh, what part of the shaft. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like. like are, uh can we put that there in? There's no filter on Pike. No. There's no filter. You ask the team owner how his injured rider is doing. He says, who cares, and walks off. You know? So. Okay. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for uh, doing the Racer X podcast from Oakland. Appreciate it. Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Um, we'll see you guys next week. All righty. All right. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our 
cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and-